This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for bookings. Kia ora, welcome to Bookends with Ruth Todd. Today I have a picture book called Emma and it's all about Emma Twigg's journey to the gold in Tokyo and it's written by Jessica Laurie. And I interviewed Nikki Crutchley earlier in the year and I was very impressed with her novel To the Sea and it has been chosen to be the first year's Together We Read book and it's going to be the largest annual online book club between October the 13th and the 27th and invites everyone with a library card to go digital and you will be able to be helped along the way to download the book and there's going to be discussion books online as well. Nikki Crutchley lives in Cambridge, New Zealand with her family and was at Waikato Uh, University when she majored in sociology and after university she worked as a librarian in New Zealand and overseas for seven years and now works as a freelance proofreader and copy editor and writes New Zealand set crime novels and psychological thrillers. Nikki has been writing on and off her whole life before she turned to crime writing had success in flash fiction and that has been published in many anthologies. Her three crime novels have all been a finalist or long-listed in the Nio Marsh Book Awards, and she's with me now. Welcome to the programme, Nikki. Hi, Ruth. Thank you for having me. Well, I was really impressed with this novel um, about Luca, uh, which means uh, to the sea, and uh, it's just... Um, I mean, it's been the only home that 18-year-old Anna has ever known. She's been the only person born there, and mm-hmm. I just got the atmosphere straight away, and in that reading too. And it's the beautiful wild pine plantation and the Pacific Ocean. And her grandfather builds furniture. Her art aunt runs an artist's retreat, and her uncle tends the land. It's kind of a paradise, but it's a very private one, um, safe from the outside world. Where did you get the inspiration? Um. I guess I was I was thinking about probably my love of the sea and for me how it's my happy place and and there's a, a lot of people I know who who feel the same way and I was also kind of thinking about uh, people's um, what they think of as home to them and they sound like quite nice ideas <laughs> but I write psychological thrillers so um, I kind of turned that on its head and turned it into. Um, as you explained to Luca, it, it, it could be a paradise. And actually, when my husband was reading the book, he said um, he wouldn't mind living there um, without the people, maybe. Um, but yeah, that, that was my beginning inspiration. And the first the first characters that popped up were, were Hurley, the, the grandfather, and Anna, the, the eighteen year old. But that was my that was my main inspiration, just that love of the ocean. But obviously, turning it on its head to turn it into a, a psychological thriller. Yes, I found that really clever because I, I would want to go there too um, without the people. But um, yeah. <laughs> I liked the way you 
changed the chapters. You know, we started 23 or 24 years mm. ago, and then we come up to the present when Anna narrates, and then we go back. And I like books mm. like that, that kind of fill in the background for me with the other characters yeah. because a lot has happened. Um, mm. And, I, you know, I gradually realise that this is not a paradise to live in, with, <laughs> especially with grandfather, but um, Hurley. But um, did you write those separately or did you just link them in as you went because they sort um, of go so smoothly and I thought, yeah. how would you have done that? It was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it did, I feel it did need to be written like that and, and it was probably more to do with the pacing of, of the book. I wanted, obviously I wanted people not to be able to put it down, but I thought going back and forth like that, there was, there was uh, like some very major scenes happening in the past but also some quite major things happening uh, in the present. Uh, and I think um, pacing-wise, making people keep turning the pages, I thought that was the best way to tell the story. Um, but I, it was a bit higgledy-piggledy, actually, the way, the way I wrote it. I was often writing uh, the present scenes with Anna, and an idea would pop into my head for Anahita's um, scenes. Um, Anahita is Anna's mother, who, who tell whose uh, point of view we are in for the past scenes. And I'd often jump ahead and write a few past scenes of Anahita's, and then I'd come back for Anna. And it was a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle. And kind of just doing the reveals at the right time, making sure the reader didn't get them too soon or, or too late. Um, yeah, I found that. It was difficult, but I think I pulled it off in the end. You certainly did. Itself, you certainly did. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was impressed with that because as I sort of went through it a second time, I thought, gosh, mm. you've just got it right. I'm not knowing too much about... Yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm glad, I'm glad yes. I pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You did. Um, and I also... Um, was um, impressed with the characters, all the characters, because um, mm. there was quite a mix, wasn't there? I mean, yeah. and and um, Anna, um, Anna was 18 in the present, mm. and um, mm. then Anahita was um, when she had always loved her grandfather so much, hadn't she? Mm. I mean, her father. Yes. Who was yes. Hurley's father? I mean, Hurley's daughter, Anahita. Mm. Yes, and it does um, get a little bit complicated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, he had had a bad boating accident, and um, that's about all I'm going to tell him about the plot because yeah. um, you can't yeah. reveal plots in crime writing. Yeah, um, but it was it was full of secrets and lies, um, and protect the family at all costs, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. was like a cult almost, a small cult that they, he didn't want to, yes. anybody else to come visit. He didn't want to, he was suspicious of everybody. Yeah. And I wondered... And it's funny, it's, sorry, it's funny no. you say that because the very, very start of the idea, I kind of had the idea of a cult, um, like a small community living yes. together. But um, that, it's kind of been done, I guess. Um, and um, there are quite a few books about cults and things like that. So I, uh, yeah, I just made made it even smaller and turned it into a, into a family. Well, yes, well that's right because you know he was he wouldn't have seen the others in a cult necessarily, mm. and no. certainly not um, Ashura, Asheran, um, mm. who was married to Hunt. Um, to Hurley. To Hurley, yes, yeah. I, um, so, and um, she had an uncle there, um, Dylan, who had always um, been attached to his mother rather than to Hurley, mm. uh, his mm. father. 
and he was running the place as a farm, wasn't he? And uh, well, he was an outside person, and um, and Marina lived with him. So mm. they, those two characters, and I took quite a while. I'm a bit of a slow sometimes, a bit slow at <laughs> catching up and things. And then suddenly, I knew who Marina was. <laughs> so there's yes. all those little uh, touches that are so special yeah. in crime novels. And I hate yeah. getting sort of too much background at once, but you gradually pulled it in. So it's a great success. And um, but there was some pretty nasty things happening, and I sort yeah. of I didn't make any excuses for Hurley's actions but I just mm. um, found and especially in that reading that was very intense and very tense <laughs> reading which people will find more about but when they read the book but it was just um, I don't know he was quite cruel in many ways and yet I kept making a slight excuse for him because of the boat accident I thought was he yeah, as I... bad as this before he had that brain injury or did that? Yeah, I think um, um, so. Hurley is, is the baddie, if you'd like to call him that, uh, the antagonist in the book. I was just very mindful of. Um, I don't really like purely evil characters. No, um, no. I guess Hurley, Hurley would be close to it. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure I did give um, a small bit of background to where he had come from, and he wasn't just this kind of cartoonish. Um, no, no, no. But um, you're you're right. When so he had he has this uh, terrible boating accident, um, kind of in in the past chapters, um, and he suffers a traumatic brain injury. And um, I, I did a, I have a friend who's a um, neuropsychologist, so I got to um, pick her brain a little bit. And I kind of assumed when someone suffers a traumatic brain injury, um, they can go about a, a personality change. Um, and she kind of pulled me back on that and said, people can have a personality change, but it's normally connected to who they were before. So if so, Hurley's quite a controlling, violent, powerful man. And I just wanted to make it clear that in his, say, past life before the accident, um, he was controlling. Him and his wife weren't getting on that well. Um, and I just, the accident probably just highlighted, um, yeah, yes. those personality traits more, yeah. Because when they bought um, uh, Ilua, Iluya, Iluka, yeah. uh, she yeah. didn't really want to go there. She preferred no, she to live in town where he had yeah. worked. And uh, he, yeah. was, he was obsessed by the sea, wasn't he? The yeah, sea absolutely. was everything. And, yeah, it, it almost um, when I was talking about my love for the sea, I just wanted to um, ramp it up a notch, I guess. And it was more to do with, it becomes an obsession and mm. almost like a religion, a religion to them, um, the way he worships the sea, yeah. You also entwined all the relationships between the family, or amongst mm. the family, because there were several members of the character, and um, in the family, several characters. So... Mm. I just think it's spot on. <laughs> so oh, congratulations, oh, and I think you, you must be the next person to go pretty close, if not winning the next um, Naya Marsh with this one, because oh, I read a lot of crime, and I really love this one. <laughs> so oh, thank you, Nikki, it. for writing this. Thank it's you. Um, To the Sea by Nikki Crutchley, and it's an enthralling thriller, it's as beautiful and deadly as an ocean storm, Rose Carlyle quoted, I quote from her. So um, it's published by HarperCollins, and mm. good luck with your crime writing. I'm looking forward to the next one. 
Oh, good. Thanks so much, Ruth. You're listening to Bookends on Plains FM 96.9. Jessica Lowry lives with her husband and three children in the Waikato, New Zealand. And when she's not writing or illustrating, she's a primary school teacher and loves to travel and do anything creative. She met Emma Twigg while studying at Waikato University and has followed her incredible rowing career since. Welcome to the programme, Jessica. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Is this a first? Is this a first for New Zealand writers for young, younger people? Um, I don't believe so in terms of um, a, a, a non-fiction sort of autobiography type. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say autobiography. Biography type text. Um, there has been a series put out by David Hill and Sadie Morris some time ago, which showcased some fantastic New Zealanders. Um, Sir Peter Blake, for example, um, and, and their you know amazing story. So I, I, I sort of have put it in the boat of being that camp of a, a biography that showcases um, a story of a, an incredible New Zealander. So you're um, not only the writer, you're the illustrator as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> is this what you always do? Have you done many other books? No, this is my first. Oh, really? First go, yeah. Oh, because I've got no more young people around me and uh, I, I thought I might have missed something. Um, well, it's been a, uh, it'll be a great success, I'm sure. And, uh, I mean, Emma's still at, her, at the heights she's achieved in uh, Tokyo, isn't she? She is, yeah. She's doing really well on the world stage still. And um, I saw in the last article that I read about her that she's talking about Paris, which is really exciting. Oh, it is. And um, you knew each other at um, Waikato University? Yeah, we did the um, communications degree together, Bachelor of Communication Studies. Um, So I met her at the, not the exact start of her rowing career, but she'd just kind of um, catapulted herself into um, the world stage in the the junior sort of rowing um, events and um, was really starting to take off. So it's been great watching her since then, um, and and obviously taking note of, of the highs and the lows in her career. Did she start yeah. at school? Was um, she, she, yeah, school? she was 14. Yeah, she started as a 14-year-old, I think the age was, and um, basically was in a team of rowing, you know, rowing in an eight or rowing in a four to start with, yeah. So many, um, it seems to me that single, single sex schools um, for girls and for boys seem to, it might be just my, uh, what I hear about in Canterbury, but um, most of the, the rowing starts, you know, senior high school seriously, and then mm. you have the big t- um, meets at um, Lake Karapiro in the North Island one year and Lake Ruatanafa in the second year. Um, mm. Alternately, I don't know whether that's true, but I was always pl- I was pleased to see someone uh, who won the singles um, in her senior year at, at Rangiwa or a high school, which is a co-ed and, and um, a very small school, because mm. that doesn't seem to happen often. But I was amazed. I've had a granddaughter in the rowing, uh, you know, have won a gold, 
um, in a four and um, it seemed to me that they were there at five o'clock every morning forever. <laughs> it's a huge commitment, mm. absolutely. And it, it's, a, it's a, a huge commitment just for, for rowing for, for any any level. Um, and obviously for Emma, um, you know, rowing to, to compete on a world stage meant that she was really pouring herself into her training and obviously um, nutrition and all aspects of, of um, keeping her you know herself in tune for this um, for that level of competition. She, um, you know, in the lead up to most of her Olympic games, she would row up to two hundred kilometres a week, um, which is a huge distance. And yeah, just inc- just incredible, really, what she managed to to do just to to get there. But she didn't quite get there if she was looking at a medal um, when she mm. went to. Um, uh, Beijing was the first one, was it? Um, yeah, so Beijing. Um, uh, so the let me think. So she she's done working backwards. Obviously, there's Tokyo, then there was Rio, then there was Beijing London. London. And, and, yeah, mm. 2012. Um, no, so the 2008 Olympics. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm getting my 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 years muddled up. <laughs> Beijing was her very first Olympic Games. And um, London was 2012, yeah. When she got fourth and just three seconds between third and fourth. Correct, yes. <laughs> she, yeah. after Rio de Janeiro, when she got fourth again in 2016, she mm. walked away for a short time. What made her go back for Tokyo? Um, she'd, she'd had... She'd had the chance to, I mean, you'd really need to hear this from Anne herself, but she had the chance to really reflect on how much rowing meant to her and how much it gave her a sense of purpose. And what she said to me was that, you know, it was, it was something that was still deep in her in her heart and soul to, to, to want to do. Um, and she really just felt that she still hadn't, at that point, still hadn't actually shown and proven to the world or herself what she was actually capable of. So she still had that deep belief that actually there is something more that I've got to give here and um, yeah that's what, what gave her the drive mm. um, as well as I mean what, you can't discount the fact that um, she had an incredible team around her uh, you know nutritionists and people that were looking after the you know the psyche side of, of sport and competition as well as obviously her rowing coach and um, people that were looking after her fitness um, and her friends and family and and as well as kind of bringing that all together and, and raising it up to a higher level and then coming around to her to give her an extra added level of real real deep I can do this self belief then she um yeah she, she and so much to get yes and so much can happen in four years other people come to the fore who we haven't even heard of don't we you know and absolutely and she had and, spent and, 20 years um, yeah. What an inspiration to stick with something and uh, what, what an inspiration your book's going to be. And that's why I like it, that it's um, a picture book and, um, I, you know, I'll put it in a school library and where younger people are there as well as some um, teenagers and they'll all love to read it, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you for that. And and just, just to add to your point too about, you know, the four years and extra people coming into the mix, Emma also had the COVID pandemic to, to grapple with and like all athletes who were 
you know, meant to be racing in 2020. Of course, those Olympic Games didn't, didn't run until the following year. So, you know, there were so many things that were up against her. And, um, yeah, she really was incredible to pull it out of the bag like she did. So was that a surprise to everyone except her? Or did, was, you know, I'm sure she was going to do her very, very, very best, um, whether it was gold, silver or bronze. Um, but to come, to get the gold... Did that come out of the blue? Because I didn't. I think I had kind of thought, oh, she's not going to get quite there. Um, but good on her for keeping on doing it. And I was mm. very really surprised when um, she did so well. Yeah, I think. I think but I don't know her. If, if, yeah, well, I think perhaps if you're sort of were, were watching um, Emma's performance just on Olympic Games, and it may may have come across like that. But if you. Yes. Knowing about her her international in rowing career, mm. in between she was still doing really well. Um, of and course, so it was, that was that was the deep deep frustration for her too. You know, just that she couldn't get an Olympic medal, <laughs> um, despite all these other amazing successes she was having on the world stage. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think we were just all so thrilled for her, and 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 I think for Emma again, I can't speak for her, but I'm sure she was just so relieved um, to finally have. Have, have made it happen in the end. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a, it's a, a great choice um, and it's wonderful to see a young woman still at her heights, you know, mm. who's known so well now. And, mm. um, you know, people will say, oh, it's about Emma Twig. Did you take photos of her or did you um, and yeah. then draw the character? Absolutely. I mean, when, when you've, um, I'm assuming you've seen the book there, Ruth. Yes. Um, I draw quite realistically, and yes. it's, it's very well, important to get your proportions and, and everything correct. Um, and, and having the privilege of having a friendship with Emma, it meant that I could actually go and take a whole lot of photos of her that I could then use as a benchmark to work from. Um, and it meant I had accuracy. And well, I'm sure. I'm well. sure she's thrilled as as much as you are with the um, yeah. this beautiful book. And um, it's not too long. It's got excellent text. For reading, you know, I would think yeah. um, anyone—I don't know—probably an eight-year-old who would be playing sport, and uh, I don't know when people play, <laughs> sort of play seriously, get into sport yeah. these days. But it could yeah. go right up to twenty. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's and um, I, I wrote. Um, well, I'm a primary school teacher, so I do have an understanding of what successful yes. children and at what age as well, but um, I did write it with sort of slightly older children in mind, so any child from about, yeah, six, seven, eight would be able to easily access, access the text. Yes. Um, but actually younger children would get something out of it. Oh, that's right, well. especially if they read it with uh, an adult, um, you know, right. a parent or a, a caregiver mm. or someone who um, will read it with them if they're not, if their reading isn't great, but you haven't made it very, you know, too difficult. Um, it's not too sophisticated. No, and, it isn't. And, and I've had a lot of help in terms of, um, you know, there's a process that you go through with these things and getting your manuscript edited and, and whatnot with a lot of experts in the field who, who help to refine it to what it is. So it is it is more accessible. So look, the, other thing I, oh, sorry. the other thing I would say, sorry, also is that, um, yeah, even though it is a sports book and it's about resilience and perseverance in Emma's story, which is about sports, she really wants to, and I really want to, um, aspire children in any aspect of their lives to 
apply or learn that they can apply resilience like that in anything they do. It doesn't have to just be a sports-type activity. Mm. That's right. So um, look for Emma and with yeah. a lovely, lovely drawing of her uh, on the cover, lovely colours and coloured um, drawing, and then Emma Twigg's incredible journey to Olympic gold, written and illustrated by Jessica Laurie. It's a real treat, and it would be a wonderful Christmas present for some young know. woman, and uh, I recommend it highly, and it's published by Upstart Press. And join us, Moran Rout and Ruth Todd, next Tuesday on Bookends on Plains FM 96.9.